Hey, this is Rocky Bonner, your host of Mind Body Gym, and welcome to another episode of Mind Body Gym. On this particular episode, I'll be talking to um, someone that I deem as my auntie, and she will be talking about how she took lemons and made lemonade and became an aspiring entrepreneur and impacted a lot of lives via dance, dance, that's right, I love to dance, is there a lot of people out there that likes to dance, I bet it is, anyways, turn up your headphones, uh, and uh, let's rock it out, man, um, thank you for taking the time out today, I really appreciate it, auntie, <laughs> um, I know the past, well, uh, 15 hours have been a little bit loud <laughs> and you know you taking the time out just to sit down and have a conversation with me and be on the mind body gym podcast um sharing means so much to me and um I have a story there that I'd like you to read from one of our young ladies that's in the fit to navigate program she's incarcerated and her name is D. So, can you read that story out for us? Sure. The title of it is How Fitness Saved My Life. D's story. Growing up, fitness helped me get through school. If it weren't for sports, I wouldn't have even graduated high school. I was a lost soul when I was younger. And after I was incarcerated young, I was still lost. If it wasn't for me still having fitness as an outlet and grabbing hold of it stronger than I ever had before, I don't know if I would still be here today, let alone be the positive person I am. It also helped me strive each and every day to be a better person, a better person today than I was yesterday. I want to help change people's lives to know all things are possible. This has helped me be a better daughter, sister, and friend to those near and dear to me. Throughout my years in prison, I would have made it I wouldn't have made it without God and fitness. I'm grateful for what this journey has taught me in the end and overall feel blessed. Blessing D. And uh, she also has like a motivational quote that helps her throughout her day. Can you read that for us a <laughs> This one I like. Uh, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others by Proverbs. Wow. What do you think about that? I think that it's pretty true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's in situations in life that, I mean, where people feel like they're always, the, their way is the only way. I think that people think their way is the only way because they're fearful of trying other things. Yeah, yeah. Fear. It yeah. comes up a lot. So, you know, like, in reading her story, how does any of that resonate to you? Like, what did you do? And on your, what have you done? And give us a little background. Like, you know, I understand that you were... A very great at dancing and you owned your own place and all those things like can you just give us a little background like how dancing or how you 
use wellness and fitness to help you on your journey in life? Gosh, um, it's kind of, I think I have to kind of talk about this in like a circular way. Okay, ultimately, as I got older, um, the dance, my history, my personal history, the dance, the fitness became how I made my living. Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, after I graduated from college, uh, I had to think of what would be the best way for me to make a living because you come out of college, you have no experience. And the experience that I had was in dance uh, in being fit and fitness and dance and everything. And uh, so I immediately started uh, working toward opening up my own dance studio because I had the most experience there uh, in that area of business. Um, then as a result of being in that business, I started a non-for-profit for children um, in the performing arts, and I presented the performing arts in the public schools. So in order to build uh, future audiences for the arts. Would you say that was like a natural path for you just because you had such interest in dance right. and art? Well, would you say that was natural for you? I think it was natural for me, particularly being a black woman and being a black person, that I wanted, I was particularly interested in building a audience where uh, children of color could see themselves. Oh. You know, um, it's really strange when I said I'm going to go in reverse. When I graduated and I went back into dance, because while I was at Ohio State, I I did not major in dance. I majored in the fine arts, but the fine arts were painting, drawing, and sculpture. And when I think about why I majored in that, it kind of, obviously, I, I gravitate toward the arts. I am an artist. And I think about when I was little, how in high, in elementary school, I remember teachers telling my mother that I was daydreaming all the time. And I guess I was daydreaming because it didn't really uh, relate to what was being taught. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, in history, it wasn't pictures of me or people that looked like me. Mm-hmm. Or in history, the only time they talked about black people was talking about slavery, uh, this, that, and the other. So being in dance and being in the arts made academic information come alive for me. Oh. For example, if I was learning history and it was medieval history, uh, something I was doing in dance where it was costumes, I kind of was able to live it. And I understood why movement was the way it was based upon how the costumes looked. Oh, wow. You know, and yeah. I can honestly say that, you know, being a middle-class African-American, I... I actually lived a life where I was a princess, where I wore a crown, where I was, you know, sleeping beauty and, you know, all those things that I read about. Yeah. And that were being read to me in, you know, fairy tales. And so I got to live that. Yeah. 
And as I got older and wanted to do more production or saw what went into doing a recital or what went into doing a performance, that made math make sense because <laughs> things cost money. Yeah. So having to figure out well, how much money would I need if we were going to have a show and we needed costumes and, you know, we we. Oh, God, the ultimate would be to rent a theater or to rent an auditorium. Oh, that costs money. So that made math make sense. Why I needed it. Why I needed the knowledge. Mm. Okay. Mm. Um, When it came to English and learning poetry and reading books, it came alive. I mean, it was movement. Right. You know, if it was about a book, and uh, I remember I choreographed um, Jonathan Livingston Siegel, the, the book. Uh, I choreographed to a lot of Scheherazade. Uh, if I was reading poetry, I, I, I would do choreography that made the words come alive. This is awesome. So it was a weird way. You know, we, we say the kids uh, are disabled or have disability or at risk. I think that they are kinesthetic learners. Yeah. I think that if we can teach in different ways that are more close, culturally close to the child, then they pick it up. They're able to understand. I used to, you know, I, I kind of say that culturally... Different culture. One, two, three, testing. Tenemos contra incendios estará probando. Esto es solo una prueba. Por favor, ignore todas las señales. Not everybody, when they sit down, the, the, not number one, not everybody sits down and has dinner together. Okay? But what I was acutely aware of was in my own home with my mom and my dad when we sat down for dinner or we sat down as a family, we communicate more with music with movement with it's more animated it's more passionate it's everything it's just like oh you know very artistic yeah without even thinking about it yeah i totally get that you know i mean i i also um can say i've subscribed to kinesthetic learning because i was allowed to move the the information through my body Mm -hmm. right and that also helped me. I mean, so I'm totally with you. Like, it helps it resonate as opposed to something being taught at me and me right. to memorize or just listen. Right. Right? Because that, to me, feels as if I didn't receive the mm-hmm. information and you weren't great at adjusting your way of teaching. Right. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that's beautiful that you use performance, art, movement through your body to take in the history and not only your own their that history but also translate it into our history of art and yeah. dance and what we did and how we yeah and that, that's pretty awesome um on this journey like how did now you're doing so much you've got the nonprofit organization opened up your own dance school and you are impacting in your community oftentimes when we are doing that we stop creating time and space for ourselves so how did you maintain uh, a creative space for yourself and coming up with the stuff and having a positive mindset 
mindset? Well, I think people that 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 do the arts and that do fitness, we kind of operate, you know, on a. We're very much aware of when we move the endorphins. You know, the hormone your body, your brain gives off, and it's a feel-good hormone, okay? So, um, that's the positivity. You know, it's kind of like when I stopped doing dance, that's when I had problems with depression and had problems like that. And not even being acutely aware as I am now that it was because I stopped the endorphin rush, you know, that every day I was doing dance, I was moving, I was doing everything I thought about. It was creativity and, you know, and that was my happy. I mean, that was my happy. So I didn't really have to think about separating, I don't know, movement and and the arts is my life. I mean, it wasn't like... The only time I wasn't dancing or thinking or creating was when I was sleeping or in the bathroom. I mean, it just works that way. And I wasn't as aware of how important it was till I stopped doing it. Ah, so let's talk about that. Yeah. What was the contrast feeling for you when you stopped doing it? Oh, my. Depression. Mm. Seriously. I mean, uh, I understand why singers sing. Mm-hmm. Their soul, I mean, they need to do it. Right. You know, I don't know if you've ever, you know, not, let's say for a month or even a week, not exercised. I have, and I know the contrast. <laughs> you got <laughs> I experienced it very much first. It, yeah, things are not moving. My head is overwhelmed. I am, you know, full of thoughts, things that, I mean, I just start I don't know. I felt lethargic. Mm-hmm. Um, you my can't energy turn off down, your head. Turn off, and it was just like a feeling of being stuck. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like exactly. weighted. Like I had weights on me. Right. Right. And I wasn't moving. Non-purposeful. Non-purposeful. Self-doubt. That's me. Yeah. It's, I, I recognize the contrast. And yeah. I, from that, obviously, know that movement is my life. Yeah. Movement. I mean, walking, something, doing something. Just Exactly. And that's also how I um, take in information. And that's your persona. And that's how you define yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't say define. It's just naturally who I am. Yeah. And if I was to do anything different, then I would cause myself a lot of resistance because I wouldn't be naturally who I am. Yeah. So that part is not even how I define myself. It actually is just a part of who I am. Yes. Yeah. You can't take that part out without. No. Yes. No, I've tried that. And that didn't work. Yeah. Um, like, so as you start to mature, you're going through this thing, you know that dance is part of your life, and you did the other side where you weren't. Now you're here, and you recognize that dance is part of your life, and you recognize that art is part of your life. What do you do daily? Like, I mean, obviously, in the last 15 hours, it's been a little bit challenging. <laughs> Scream a lot. No. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, that's a hard question. That's a really hard question for me because uh, 
Now what I do is I take Pilates, and I do it three times a week. It does not have the aerobic side that I need, and nor does it have the creative side that that I need. But what it does offer me is the social side, and a lot of people don't realize that the arts and fitness is not just about the doing. It's also how you socialize, how you interact with people. Mm. So again, your community. Yeah, it's your community. Exactly. It's your community. Exactly. And uh, I don't know, you know, probably people listening, if they've never, I I hear a lot of people say that never have run before and they Mm -hmm. start running Mm -hmm. or they start riding a bike. And then all of a sudden they, they get this, Riders high or this runners high, and then they're addicted to it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, everybody's heard that, yeah. you know, yeah, because it's they true. Runners high, yeah. Mm. You get addicted to the endorphin mm-hmm. rush, to the, you know, um, to the movement, you know. So when you don't do it as often, then it's kind of like you kind of find yourself. Like, now what do I do with myself? You know, almost as if you're uh, hyperactive and there's nothing to do. And you just like out of all this energy. And, and, and now where do you find your joy? And now where do you, you know, you become more focused on things that maybe does not bring you joy. Because you're not at a natural place for you. Yeah. What's funny is that you, what you said about endorphins is almost like... Well, you just know that that's something you can't get in a bottle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Even with coffee, yeah, it, ain't it, ain't it ain't the same. It's not it's, it's the same. You can't get in a prescription bottle. Exactly. It's just not. You the can't, joy. Yeah, you can't unlock the top and then take a pill and then right. drink it. And, no. no. Right? No, exactly. But it's so much more of that out there yes. being pushed yes. to be the happy pill yes. as opposed to just saying just move yes and and the hard part i think with uh people that do move and that are artists is is thinking about people who don't move you know what do they do you know what you eat (laughs) what do you do what do you do to find your joy we're now recognizing that mental health is definitely a huge issue yeah it's and it's been commonly ignored. Yes. However, act physical activity has been in, shown to improve exactly. mental health. If you go back to Dee's story, she's saying even in the space and where her environment, current community that she's in right now, fitness and movement is keeping her alive. Keeping her alive. It keep it's it's her joy. Her joy. Uh-huh. It's her joy in a place where. A lot of us would not consider exactly any, any joy there. Even if they put you in a box, you just keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Yeah. Well, you because you know, go I mean, crazy, I mean, you know. Clearly, clearly, you would. That's why they they consider. That's why they use that hole as a thing of. Um, well, what happened was was the way I I actually 
began to think about this because I, I didn't I was not clear when I was growing up that this was how I was learning and this was what it was what movement and arts was doing for me and fitness and it was keeping me healthy physically as well as mentally which is somatic education but I got an opportunity to be a director of education for Ballet Met which is in Columbus Ohio and I took the performing arts into the public schools and I was particularly interested in um in the public schools that were in uh, lower income environments because I feel it was important to show the children that there was another way of being you know that girls in particular because when I was you know doing this you know, girls could be cheerleaders, but there wasn't really anything else. And all the school that, all the money that a school would get, they put it in the sports: football, basketball, uh, soccer. Again, there wasn't things for girls to do. And so, if your mother, if you, if you weren't cute enough to be a cheerleader, and your parents couldn't afford to put you in dance, what did you do? What did you do? So it was like showing there's so much more to life. Mm. There's so much more to life, and all this is out there, okay? And making it accessible and helping, you know, teachers realize, you know, like I would go into a school when I was a director of education. I would go into a school. They would set me up in the auditorium or a gym. They would bring in about 200 kids, Mm. and then the teachers would leave. You know, it's like, okay, we get a break. But I'd always have uh, a teacher or someone that would say, now you watch Jimmy over there because he's a, he's a problem. And if he is gonna, if he's a problem for you, if he won't stop talking or he goes off doing his own thing, you send him out of this class. You know, this is a, yeah, this is a problem child. But what I found out was when I was working with these children after the teachers left, I, I would say, okay, this is how we're going to do this. You know, you got to listen, but I want you to move. You know, I'm not going to ask you to sit still and just listen. I want you up and moving. But what I found out was the the kids that were quote unquote with problems, those were my best students. They were the ones that began to start. They they would pick up the steps faster than the other kids. Mm. And then they would try to teach the other kids the steps so they were became the leaders now another mentoring and right right leading. so it was uh this wonderful you know incredible experience and the teachers would come in after i had been there a couple hours and they walk in and all the kids were sitting in their spot because i would say you know when the teachers come in you know if you're sitting and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing then they'll have me come back maybe so I mean, you're talking about a couple hundred kids, and they're sitting down quietly, and the teachers come in, and they're like, okay, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Cheesy beans, this is crazy. And they would ask me, what did you do? And I didn't really have an answer for that. At that point? At that point. That was when I went back to graduate school. Okay. To figure out, in education, to figure out what was it that I was doing? Why did it work so well? Okay, and 
I went back and got my master's in education, early childhood education, and actually got words for the things that were happening, you know, like mm-hmm. kinesthetic Learning. intelligence, intelligence. Yeah. you know, and that some kids are, are mathematically intelligent, some are kinesthetically intelligent, some are musically intelligent. There's all these different intelligences, and people know that. I mean, we in, innately know that. But to actually see it in writing and then be able to take that knowledge and say, hmm, what if I go to a school, a middle school, and I talk to a teacher or something like that, and they're teaching uh, hmm, they're teaching poetry or they're teaching geography or they're teaching whatever. Could I take anything that we had to learn academically and put it to movement? The answer is yes. <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. But you know, the only thing was the teachers didn't know how to do it. The kids knew how to do it. The teachers didn't know how to do it. Yeah. Because that's not how they teach education no, they in teach. colleges. Which is wild because all those different learners and intelligence that you just said that you didn't know the words to, but you went to college to, you went back, got your master's to now have an understanding of what you were already doing so exactly. well. And they have names, and it's out there, and it's a way of teaching, but we're still stuck in a system that's still teaching one way and then failing the student. Exactly. exactly. That's what amazes exactly. me. Exactly. And something so simple, uh, I, was do- I was doing some uh, interesting research about Native Americans, yeah. okay, and they find that even today, there are, there are reservations in this country, in case people don't know that. But on the reservation, there'll be people that'll go. And the students there, you know, very kindly, they'll sit there, and but they don't talk. They don't interact and everything. And just wondering about that and just some cultural rituals. Like one of the things was before these children would interact with you, we're going to all come together. We're going to all sit in a circle. We're going to make a circle. We're going to walk around the circle. And then we're going to say anything within this circle, all the people within this circle, that what what comes out, what we do here stays here. That you, this is within the circle, you could be trusted. Hmm. And you think that's important. Very, very that's important to them. Mm-hmm. Now, what do I need to do if that same Native American tribe were now African American children? Mm-hmm. How do I build community? How do I get someone to trust me that I don't look like? I I like to piggyback on that because that's the same safe circle that we use in our program and fit to navigate with working with the group of women that we're working with. Mm-hmm. And it starts in very small, safe circles. Exactly. To feel vulnerable. Exactly. To feel, have some type of empathy for others. Right. Regardless of, you know, color, creed, or status. Exactly. Whatever it is, we're in this space and we're in it together at this space and time. Right. Right? At this time. That's, that's, well. (laughs) And you never really think about that. You never really think about that. But I think that's why our Fit to Navigate program is working because, one, you know, you have to apply things to self, mm-hmm. but you also have to have a safe space to be able to apply things to self. You also have to have there. Are, there's also a community which allows you to see your blind spots, right. and you trust that you trust that, that you trust that you trust. And this 
ability to move, even though it may be initially like a baby deer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right. And somebody sees us that, right? We don't have to have it all together, right? And then learn and grow to, right? It. And that's part of the safe that we, space. Yeah, that's part of the reason that we named our program what we did. Inside was fit to navigate because to have the, the time to become fit yourself, apply it on to mm-hmm. self, and then be able to get that and now you're ready to navigate right. or choreograph or exactly for for the group right. right this is awesome this has been great so <laughs> um I, another thing we like to talk about I mean this mind body gym it's like about you know your mind being right your body following and then you turn into this gym G-E-M that you're de- where you're serving and walking in purpose, right? And I, I mean, I guess the question I want to ask you is like, what allows you to feel as though your your soul is free, or what's a soul free moment for you? What does that feel like for you? And then you feel like you're walking in purpose. Like, is it something that you do? Is it, um, you know, is that when you're painting? Is that when you're dancing? Mm-hmm. When do you feel like your soul is just like free and light? Hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not talking because that's a good question. Um, Take your time. What we were just talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, trust, Mm -hmm. you know, I I always say, you know, you, when you grow older, you finally realize the things that are really important to you or things that are really important in life. And those are only two things, family and friends, because you can't take that with you. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, those, those things are, they're not material. You know, nobody can take it away from you. And, and when all else fails, you got your family and you got your friends. Mm-hmm. And I guess what frees my soul now is friends and interacting with them. Um, even though I can't really say that I'm a, uh, a social person. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, people for me are like can't live with them and can't live without them. And you know, I have to remind myself just because somebody's in my family doesn't mean they have my best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the, all these things to keep you hold you can you know walking this balanced life, okay. this balanced life, but. Um, I just recently, as I told you, that I just started drawing again because a dear friend uh, committed suicide. And that was a person I went and drew with, you know, went to art class and Pilates class. And that was really hard to get back into Mm -hmm. for me. But uh, it's meditative. You know, I can pick up a pencil and draw or to get my hands in clay you know, I don't really think about what's going to come out. Mm. You know, I just kind of do it. And you kind of, it's, it's meditative. Mm. And even when I'm taking Pilates now, uh, I find that I don't exercise outside of Pilates. And I had to think about why. 
You know, why do I want to go down to the gym? You know, I don't know. It's the arts is how I do community. I mean, I mean, the movement is how I do community. Um, I have a purpose for getting together. I, you know, we get together and for me, movement and the arts is a meditation. And, and so, yeah, that mm-hmm. sets my soul free. Yeah. I, I'm like totally not somewhere else. Time. No, not even here. No, not even. no, it's, mm-hmm. it's meditative. It's, it, it's, and you know, I think about meditative. I also think, you know, meditation is praying. That's what people do when they pray. Mm-hmm. It's meditative. It's a place you can take your, your mind to. It, it frees your soul. So I guess now, it's more family, more friends, uh, little sketching, Pilates, you know, uh, that's somewhat satisfying. It doesn't feel the same way as when I was dancing and when I was actually producing choreography and interacting with hundreds, thousands of kids and people. I mean, that's a high, that's a whole different level, but, uh, it keeps reminding me, you know, of the impact you made. Yeah, those numbers. It was purposeful and living. Purposeful living. Yes. yes, and the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, joy you bring to other people, and that must be the reason why you arrive at the most important things in life are people. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. I really, really appreciate it. Um, this is really good, Auntie. This is some great nuggets. Know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I we'll see. You. This is a couple moments it sounds a little crazy, but okay. <laughs> this is awesome. Wow. What a second mini series of Mind Body Jam podcasts. As we conclude this podcast, I'll leave you with a quote from our guru A realized person becomes a worthy instrument of the divine always serving creation in a loving way. Indeed, this is the real business of life. Every person should use his or her time, talent, skill, and breath as good instruments in self-improvement. Thereby, we become successful. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to tune in to Mind Body Gym's conversational podcast designed to fund our social enterprise, Fit to Navigate, a wellness project serving people impacted by the criminal justice system. To show your support, check out our website at fittonavigate.com and show love by buying the Love You Give merch, spread love, and get and learn how to get involved. Thank you to the fam, Eric Jefferson, for the artwork, his wife, my songstress sister, Renee Dion, for the tunes, and Natalie McCray Cross for her photography. Health, mindset, fitness, life, inspiration, empowerment, purpose, soul. We do the work, and that's what we're here for. Join us on this journey.